0: Welcome to Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. I'm your studio host, Orrin Stewart. Thank you for joining us today. We have another amazing episode in store for you. You do not want to miss it. Stay tuned. Once again, thank you for joining us here at Checking In. I'm Oren Stewart, your studio host. Now let's introduce our hosts of the show, Leon and Miranda. How are you both?
1: Hi, good.
0: How are you guys doing today?
2: I'm good, Oren. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. No need to complain. Yes, right
1: you all have an yeah. amazing show.
2: Thank right you, on. thank you, thank you, Orange. So, Miranda, here we are. It's just happening. We're still happening.
1: We're still happening. We're not going to stop, no matter yeah,
2: what. We're still, still going. Getting a lot of good feedback, some great comments from from folks, and uh, just this, this is really, really good.
1: Yes, and don't ask me what number episode we're on because I forgot to look it up. <laughs>
2: I was just about to ask, what number are we on? Now, all right, you didn't look it up. And I was thinking this morning, what number is it? So I don't know if it's 17, 18. I'm going to try to make some verbal, visual contact with our producers in the background. Can you guys give me a thumbs up here? Is it 17? Is it 18? I hear 18. Rumor has it it's 18. Episode number 18. Yeah. So we are rocking, rocking on. Listen, if you'd like to be a guest on checking in, a uh, lodging DEI chat, you can contact me or Miranda. You can reach me via email by at my email address, which is Leon at, I'm sorry, let's use that email, Leon the trainer <laughs> at Gmail dot com. The simple one. Leon the trainer at gmail.com. And Miranda, how do folks get in touch with you? They'd like to be a guest on they this show? They can
1: certainly email me at my personal email address or you can find me on LinkedIn, Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. I'm the only one on there. If you find another, I'll buy you a Marilyn Crab cake.
2: Oh, Marilyn Crab Cake. Yes. We're we're let's no we're not going to go to Marilyn Crab Cake. <laughs> quite yet?
1: Oh, wait a minute, I haven't
2: asked you though. Have you ever had a Marilyn crab cake?
1: I have, and I had it in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Okay. Of course. All right. Right on. Right on.
2: <laughs> good. Good. Now we'll, we'll ask our, our guest that question as we do every, every guest, and we'll figure it out. He's probably in the background now going, let's see, have I had a Marilyn Crab Cake? Da, da, da. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> so, Miranda, please introduce our, our guest for today.
1: Absolutely. So, Michael is joining us. This is his first ever podcast. And it gets to be on Checking In. First of many more to come, I'm certain.
2: Yes. So it's great to have that's Michael Caliguri. Michael, how you doing? I am great. How are you? Oh, awesome. Everything is groovy and outstanding. Yeah. Good to have you with us.
3: It is truly a pleasure, and I am very excited. My first podcast, as <laughs> it was mentioned, so yay! Yay! Um, and I'm sure there will be many more in my future. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
3: Listen,
2: you're, you're the you're the podcast webcast producers' dream for a first time <laughs> podcast. There right? you go. Look at that clean background. <laughs> I'm right? telling you, the microphone's hot. You are like, you're ready. You're
3: ready. You know what? We try in life and I, I, I try my best. I try not to disappoint at all sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right.
2: Good deal. Well, well, it's good to have you have you with us. Miranda, go ahead. You, you start.
1: Well, I was wondering if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're doing right now. And then I want to talk to you about your impressive career in the lodging industry.
3: Sure, absolutely. So I am actually just finishing my PhD program. So soon to be in a few months, uh, transition from Michael Kellejuri to Dr. Kellejury, um And shifting from, um, you'll learn in my history that I, I worked before academia in hotel management, but I, my research specifically focuses here at Penn State um, about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Because we know, um, and what we celebrate in the hospitality industry, in the hotel industry, is that we employ one of the most diverse workforces in the world. Um, And so regardless of industry, we want to celebrate that. And how can we harness the real power of diversity in the workplace? And what does it mean to be that one diverse? But how do we actually achieve equity and inclusion in the workplace? which we've had those conversations and we share that passion. And um, so bring that and also bridge the gap of, you know, teaching in the classroom, but also how do we apply it and tell our students, how do we transition that and transform it for them so it could actually be that practical application when they become the managers and the leaders in the next generation? How can we impart our knowledge, our experience and help them be successful?
1: I love it. So um, first, congratulations on your very soon to be doctorate. So that's incredible. And you recently accepted a position at Cal
3: Poly Pomona, the College of Business Administration.
1: Awesome. And they will be lucky to have you. So tell me if you were to just have one piece of advice to give to anyone in industry, just one thing, one step that they can take towards diversity, equity, and inclusion in their workplace, where would you tell them to begin? Because I think that people get overwhelmed because it seems like such a big thing to try to tackle.
3: Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, I think that the simple, simple word, and it's one word, is listen. Um, I think when we talk about DEI, it's easy to talk and you know, kind of have that conversation. But the greatest power in DEI in that space is listening to other people, listening to their thoughts, um, hearing their experiences, because it's less about you and more about others. And so if you can take a step back and listen and actually hear what people are saying, that is the greatest power that we have in life. And so that would be my one, like first step, first conversation is, have you listened to others and have you heard their actual experiences? And that is a powerful step that I think we all, like I catch myself, we all need to take. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Powerful advice. Yeah,
2: yeah, indeed. You're watching Checking In a Lodging DEI chat. I'm Leon Thomas with our co-host Miranda Kittlin-Lynch. Our guest today is Michael Caliguri, who will soon have his PhD and go into being a professor. And Michael, which school is that again? Where are you going to be? At
3: Cal Poly Pomona.
2: Cal Poly Pomona. So you don't get the snow there in California the way you do in State College.
1: <laughs> it's,
3: it's a little transformation. So I, I am a Northeasterner my entire life. Um, I am originally Western New York, Rochester, snow capital of the U.S. One of them, you know, lived in New York City for a while. And so transitioning to Los Angeles, I, I joke, but a little serious. The first earthquake, I am going to be like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: I I experience, I experienced one. Um, I was in uh, San Diego for a hotel convention, oh, wow. and at like five in the morning, I hear what what sounds like a train going under the hotel. And I'm like, well, they they did say it's a subway station like a mile away, you know. So you know, no no big thing, right? I'm not thinking about it. And the desk starts to shake a little. Like that's more than a train. That's more than a train. And you know, on the the hotel, on the door, it has that map that directs you to the closest exit, right?
1: That no one I'm ever like, looks at.
2: That no one <laughs> ever looks at, right? I did, right? The only time I ever looked at him prior prior was that when I went to a hotel like to inspect or something. I oh yeah, you had the rack, the rate card up there, the emergency map. So. Here I am, I'm going out. I'm like, okay, which way do I go? And there's like three ways to go, And it, but they had it very easily identified. And I went down and I went to the steps and went all the way down. And the person at the desk is like, yeah, it was an earthquake. It was like a, a one-point something. You can go back to bed. Also, <laughs> uh, uh, man. So it made a great story, though. But other than that, man, no no damage. But luckily, that was all cool. Michael, talk some about your your background. You worked in in industry. Sure. Um Before where you are now, you mentioned you, you grew up in, in Rochester, you're a Talk some about your background.
3: please. Sure. So um, I am, uh, like I said, born and raised in Rochester, New York, uh, right near the Canadian border. And my journey, I actually have over 15 years of hospitality management experience. I started off in restaurants uh, to date myself kind of a little bit, my first restaurant, my first job was in Ponderosa Steakhouse.
2: Ponderosa. <laughs>
3: wow. Is, is that oh. a flash in the past? Oh, that's
2: a flash in the past, but we're gonna connect it here in a minute. You'll you'll all see, you'll see where this connects. But anyway, all right. go ahead. So you worked at Ponderosa. Go
3: ahead. Ponderosa Steakhouse, and then I I um, upgraded <laughs> and moved to Outback Steakhouse, where I became very familiar with the Bloomin' Onion. Mm. I, I love the meal breaks because we got free blooming onions. So to this day, I I can't have them anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I just overloaded on them when I was 16, 17. Um, but then there was a Marriott hotel right across the street from the Outback. And my brother actually worked at the Marriott as a lifeguard. And I said, you know, I really want to, work in hotels. Like I didn't want to go home smelling like steaks every night. So I'm like, I can do this. I can work like the front desk and have some fun. So I started the journey and I applied at the Marriott. I started as a shuttle driver from the hotel to the airport.
2: Yes. I'm telling you. Yes. And I got
3: another flash from the past. I was then moved to the PBX operator when they still called it a PBX operator.
1: Wow. <laughs> i haven't heard the word pbx in forever
3: (laughs) (laughs) so it's um and then i you know moved all throughout the hotel from the concierge lounge to um front desk to i worked at the bell staff for a while so i really got to see all the different operation um front office operations and then I had a great opportunity. Um, I got a call to be from Marriott Corporate to move and have my first management position in Trumbull, Connecticut, um, which is about 30 minutes kind of toward south of New Haven on its way to New York City. And I worked there. The management team had a massive turnover because a Weston had just opened and the GM took all the managers with him. And so I got to come in as a front office, a front desk manager at that point and really just got my, you know, the chops as a first time manager, kind of building out a department. And then um, I worked for Omni Hotels. I moved into New York City and my first unionized property. So I got to work at the Omni Berkshire place on 52nd and Madison. And that was kind of my transition into luxury hotels, a nice solid four star, four diamond hotel. And then I, my last position, I was one of the managing directors that reopened the Plaza Hotel in New York, in New York on Central Park post renovations. Um, and so I, Was brought on in their pre-opening phase, and so I was actually overseeing the private butler service. um, Private butler service department in the hotel had a staff of 55 butlers, and then I transitioned to front office. um, Was the overnight hotel manager for the entire property. I then um, moved to housekeeping, and I was direct assistant director of um, services. So I got to see everything. The industry was near and dear to my heart. yeah. And I love every aspect of it. So I I love sharing it in the classroom. My students love seeing pictures and hearing about the stories.
2: Um, Before I turn it over to Miranda, I just have one thing I'd like to do. Michael, can you give me like three rings? Can you go ring, ring, ring? You know, like you did in training whenever you were training folks. You know, you did these, these role plays. Go ahead and give me a ring, ring, ring. Ring, ring, ring. Thank you for calling the Marriott. This is Leon.
3: How can I help you? you huh? Huh? <laughs> I'm telling right. you, you got it. You got it. I, I, I trust me. I did that with my employer and it was yes. done to me. Yes. I had a little telephone and All right. still had the spiral cord. <laughs> it's, <laughs>
0: it's, kinda, uh, it's it's kind of.
2: telling you. It's more cotton than spiral, but you get the idea. I get the idea.
1: Right, I have so up. many questions as to why you have that on your desk, but I'll save those for another. <laughs>
2: <one>. <laughs> why is that here? So why is my, the trumpet here?
1: Oh god! But anyway, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. So, Michael, given your rich history in the industry, um, I want to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests that have worked in uh, the lodging industry, and that is: of all the general managers that you've had how many of them were people of color?
3: Um, None.
1: That's what I thought. That's what I thought. What do you think could be done to increase, uh, to increase representation of people of color, women, um, any group that is not as represented as white men?
3: know it goes back to the equity and inclusion conversation and i think the we need to separate out and it's one of the things that i'm very passionate about and i know that we share that passion is our industry is diverse right but equity and inclusion is really where the the heart and the strength of achieving that equality and that inclusion so i always like to say Do people have equal access to resources? But first, do they have a seat at the table? And I think that's the important first step, is recognizing that even though we employ an incredibly diverse workforce, people perhaps don't have equal access to seats at the table. Mm -hmm. And then do they have equal access to the resources necessary to be successful? So I think it's a a multi-level perspective and multi-steps that we have to look at. And so I, you know, this is my line of research. And I think it's a question that we need to ask of ourselves is how did we get here, but also benchmarking where we are at and where we need to go and understanding that in a holistic um, idea so that we can really not just talk about it, but develop actionable
1: items. Awesome. That's very well put. Um, it's like you're a PhD or something. <laughs> uh, so, I want to ask one more question about your research specifically. As you've been doing this DEI research, have you come across any research findings that surprised you?
3: I, you know, given part of the strength of my research and what fuels me is the idea that. I came from industry, right? So I saw the restrictions that, were, that took place in the industry. So unfortunately, not many of the um, results so far have surprised me. It's more actually validating what I suspected. But I think what we also need to look at is how it didn't surprise me, but it, it confirmed what I did believe is just how diverse we are. But when you start looking at the different levels and the diversity within the levels, so of management and entry level, then entry management, right? That first line, but then mid-management, and then the executive level, the disparity starts to show in between that entry-level management and mid-level management. And the question then becomes, Where's that disconnect, right? why isn't why isn't that happening? Why aren't people taking the next step? Is it because of their own personal beliefs? Is it because of the opportunity? what what within the organization is happening and transpiring that we're not able to achieve that actual equity? Because people clearly are having a seat at the table, but different tables, are represented
1: differently, if that mm-hmm.
2: makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Leon. Earlier in our in our conversation, you mentioned that one of the most important things to do when it comes to DEI is to listen. And one of the things that I experienced in industry, and I even experienced it now in, in conversations that I have with folks that work in industry, and not only in in hospitality, but other other places as well. When I see a social media post, I hear a comment about something, um, I respond and I say, I ask a question, why did you do this? Or who did you talk to about this before you did it? And the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of posts around black history month and to me some of those posts are not black history they're a statement of diversity that really could be used in a recruiting platform and so one of them and i'm not going to mention the the management company but a management company put something out there that said um here's our company take a look at our general managers Black general manager location, black general manager location, black general manager location. And then at the end of it, there's like 20 white people on a series of steps going, happy black history month. I can't. Right? And I'm going, no, this is, that's not black history. And why do you have 25 white people going happy black history month? No. (laughs) So I contacted the management company, right? And the chief marketing officer actually called me. And so did someone else in the organization, someone in HR. I've talked to them and they said, oh, we thought it would be something cool. Okay, great. That's what you thought. Who did you talk to first? Well, we didn't talk to anybody. "Eh!" There's problem number one, right? And I'm telling you that there are many people, they're commenting on your post now, saying it ain't history. They didn't listen. So mm-hmm. Michael, here's the big, that's like a long lead into a question. That's like the longest lead in ever. The producers <laughs> are going, Leon, do you have a point in this? Okay, so here's the question. How do you get people to listen? How do? How does that happen? How do, do the, is it, is it a black guy like me that has to send the message? Is it Miranda? Miranda, what's that term? A middle age white lady? Hello. What's middle age that? What's white it? lady? Yes, <laughs>
1: that's me. I mean, <laughs>
2: what does it take, Michael, to get people to to listen?
3: I, you know what? I think it's a general mentality. You know, it's it's a culture that people have to first. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go long winded here, and I'm gonna try to abbreviate it to the best of my ability. But an analogy that I owe in kind of a visual that I I give to students and when I have conversations and when we talk about DEI, one is, you know, everybody has been invited to a party, right? We've all attended events, whether, you know, it can be social, it can be wedding, it can be, we all get invited to social events. But when we put that in context of DEI, one is, when we think about diversity it's who did you invite to the party right was it actually a diverse party list but then equity is did you actually receive that invitation right so it's not only putting the list together but it's who who are you actually inviting to take to the party and then it's actually let's take it a step further every party has a dance floor How many times have you been invited to the party, but you were never invited to dance? You just stood on the side. But then, so that's the equity part, right? Did someone actually come up to you and ask you to dance and hope like plug here, I'm a bad dancer. So never ask me to dance like horrible, (laughs) horrible, horrible. Okay. But the inclusion part is, so the equity then is some, did someone come up to you and invite you to dance? but then we come to the inclusion is, did that person actually dance with you?
1: Hmm.
3: So we can take it on three different levels and three different perspectives on that. But at the end of the day of getting people to listen, I think it's actually just fundamentally first starting, let's give people an invite to the party and let's then ask them to dance before we actually get to the dancing part. Um, We need to, show people that, you know, let's have, let's have a party, let's invite conversation. And I think the most incremental stuff that we can take is first inv- getting those invites out there. And one, like you, your example, Leon, was no one asked, well, let's start the conversations, someone needs to have the conversation. And I love when people knock on my door or invite me to podcasts. Let's have the conversation because I want to hear, I want to learn. Life is about learning and the more we learn, the better off we are, not only as society, but as industries and just civilization in general.
2: Mm -hmm. And if I could just chime in on that before we go back to Miranda, one of the things that, that happens is when we say ask. Leaders sometimes ask those that are in their organizations, those that report up to them, do you think this is, a good, this is a good idea to do? And that black employee, that minority employee, for fear of retribution says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Knowing that if they say, no, boss, that's stupid, that the boss is now going to go, hmm, I'll show you stupid. You know, that you, you've heard all the stories, you've seen all that that happens. so ask but make sure you're asking the right people I think and also you know look outside your organization talk to people like you Miranda get in touch with me you know let's 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 get some some conversations going with the right people Miranda
1: I totally agree with you and I can't tell you how many times I've heard that exact scenario um be repeated to me so um and if you need someone to speak up for you middle-aged white ladies here for you (laughs) Uh, So, Michael, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, Leon, do I have time for one question or two?
2: Uh, Let's go with one, one of yours, and then we'll go to one of mine, and then we'll wrap it up.
1: Awesome. So tell me, if you would, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? And you can only pick one thing.
3: Have faith in yourself that you can make a difference.
1: Beautiful. I love it. Leon, I'm dying to know what your last question is.
3: Oh,
2: you you know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, let's roll back to Ponderosa. Okay. Now, first, when you said you worked for Ponderosa and you did an upgrade, I was actually thinking you upgraded to wrestlers. <laughs> All right. But let's, let's not go there. When you had Ponderosa, I remember going to some Ponderosas and they had like a, a seafood mix. They had like a seafood special from time to time. You could get shrimp. And I remember going to the one that had crab cake. And I'm thinking, number one, it wasn't in Maryland. And number two, crab cake at Ponderosa? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, that was like the first time I'm like, who did you ask? You know, <laughs> but let's think about this. Here's the question. Michael, have you ever had a Maryland crab cake?
3: I have.
2: And where did you get that Maryland crab cake? What state were you in? In Maryland. Oh, in Maryland. Okay, we're getting good. You're passing the vibe. (laughs) Yes. What city? Baltimore. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) You can come back on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
3: I would be, that would be a true honor.
2: You're back on. We had someone that told us they had a crab cake at a barbecue joint in Kansas City.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Shut up.
2: That's not barbecue. That's not it. No, but Michael, yeah. Thank you so much for for being a part of our show. If folks want to contact you to yeah. continue the conversation or ask some questions, how do they get in touch with you?
3: Sure. So please feel free to email me. Um, that's usually the best way. So it's um, MDC. 437 at psu.edu. And I am always open for these conversations. I love to hear. Um, I love to listen.
1: I love it. Thank you so much.
3: Right
2: no, my Thank pleasure. You. Thanks for being with us. Let's bring in our studio host, Oren Stewart. Hey, Oren, how you doing? I'm doing well. What another amazing episode of another great show. Yes, but you. Know, Hi. Can Hi. we just go back? I remember the last show. Yeah, Miranda, yeah. do you remember Oren saying he didn't have he's he doesn't eat mac and cheese? Yes, I did. I did. Can we bring Michael on? Let's bring Michael back. Let's ask Michael about mac and cheese real quick. <laughs> Michael, do you? Michael, do you? Where's Where's Michael? Do you eat mac and cheese? Let's get a uh,
3: Okay, so I'm gonna say in my former life I have and I love it, but I am actually lactose intolerant now, so I sadly, but. So for my students, as here they love, I cook and bake for them in class. Wow! So I make a five cheese mac and cheese that I will bring in. Oh yeah, nice. it is it is ooey gooey deliciousness. Okay, so well, my
1: my follow up was, did it come out of the blue box? <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
3: I actually make my I make my own pasta. Oh wow. So I make it from oh, i I, I love the cook and bake. Oh, wow. it's um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. so that, that's the plug that I will always think okay. for food. <laughs> all right, so
2: then after the show, we'll have to get out a map and figure out the midway point between State College <laughs> and Towson, Maryland, and we've we've got to meet to get some of that. That sounds that sounds really good. Thank you. <laughs> yes, all exactly. right. Orin back to you. All righty. Yes, indeed. What another great episode of a great
0: show that we have here at Checking In a Logic DEI Chat. Thank you so much for continuing to join us. We have another great episode in store coming up soon. Take care.